Hello, Managing Madrid podcast listeners. This is your host, Kian Sobani. In a moment, we're going to break down Real Madrid's big 4-1 win away to Osasuna. But before we get underway, I just wanted to bring to your attention that if you're not a patron, you're missing a ton of bonus content. We're doing three to four podcasts per week right now, and some of those episodes have two or three parts. We cover everything from midweek games, mailbags, Castilla, the players on loan, Real Madrid's history, interviews with special guests, and the only episodes that are accessible for free right now are the weekend shows. So if you want access to more content, join us over at patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And don't overthink it. Your initial reaction might be to think, well, I can't pay for that. Um, but trust me when I say that we give you so much value on those bonus shows that you just won't look back. And by the way, that cool hipster coffee that you drink that's $3, one of those is all it costs to subscribe to us on Patreon. Just go and do it. We're on our way to 1,000 patrons, and once we get there, we're going to do a huge giveaway, including a signed Cristiano Ronaldo jersey. Just throwing that out there. Um, all right, let's get this show started. Here's the post-game show for the Osasuna game. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. The wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast, where we are we are recording this shortly after Real Madrid go into Pamplona and get the job done against an Osasuna side, and in a notoriously tough place to play, and they scored four goals, and they look like they haven't lost a beat in La Liga. We have uh, a trio for tonight's podcast, possibly four, because Gabe might join us uh, midway through. So joining me is Matt Wiltsey. Matt, how you doing? Yeah, doing well, doing well. And we also have, uh, making his monthly cameo, is our patron, Philip Hammer. Phil, how you doing? Not too bad. How's father life going? Uh, it's good, sleepless, and uh, just when you think you can get uh, close your eyes for a second, as was the case this morning at like 7 a.m., um, my oldest son woke up and wanted to come out of bed. So running on not much other than adrenaline. And uh, luckily, there was four goals in that Real Madrid scored in this game. Otherwise, it was pretty boring, and it was hard to, to, to stay engaged. But, you know, not, nonetheless, it's a game we're going to cover and talk about. Um, how did you guys enjoy it? Well, I thought um, after the first 15 minutes or so, and I, I think Osasuna had four shots within the opening four minutes or something crazy like that. And so yeah. after that initial onslaught, I was thinking to myself, oh, God. And they scored the goal um, off the corner kick. And I was thinking to myself, oh, God, this is this is El Sadar. Here we are. This is going to be a game. This is going to be just brutal throughout. Maybe if we can get a draw, it'll be a good result. And uh, the team, I mean, like you said, Kian, it just it turned out to be more of a boring game. The team just... Once around the 30th minute mark or so, once we got that first goal, you kind of felt the momentum swing and Real Madrid were pretty much in cruise control from there. And boring in a game like this is actually pretty ideal because I actually thought in the second half, you know, I mean, we all know what Al Sadar is like. And it's not like we go there every year because they've been relegated and you almost have to remind yourself how difficult it is. Um, I mean, you see, you see other teams play there. Obviously, when a big team like Real Madrid goes there, it's a different experience. Um, but it didn't feel as heated as I remember um, growing up in past years. 
when we went there. And it was funny, you know, it's a, I wrote this in my, when I was doing the Q&A with, um, with Ignacy Torne, who's an Osasuna fan and Spanish football journalist. You know, we're kind of going over this idea that this is a, a very difficult place to play, and it is. Then you look at Real Madrid's track record there in their history. They've only lost there once, I believe, in their entire existence, and they've drawn there three times. So four games total where they've dropped points. Other than that, they've actually come out there with a win, um, with 2009 being the one they lost. Um, and I know you you tweeted about that, Matt. You, you tweeted the video or something. I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I assume that was a 2009 uh, uh, loss, right? The one you tweeted? Uh, not sure which year that was. I think it may have been 2012, judging by, because all I saw was Iker Casillas warming up. Um, but yeah, basically the video, I said, Zidane should show this to the players before they go out, because it was pretty awful video. I mean, Anosis, so there's a couple of Real Madrid fans, and they had their flags out um, at the stadium, and couple some a group of Osasuna fans just came over and like ripped the flags out and like told them like told them they shouldn't have that there and were just kind of berating this guy and he had his young kid with him too and it oh was just yeah like, oh, yeah God. yeah okay I so I didn't watch the video because I just assumed it was something else I should have watched it but now that you said that I remember I remember that situation clearly when it happened uh it was all over the papers and it was a it was a pretty sad scene and not a good look on Osasuna fans um Philip what did yeah. you think? How worried were you going into this game? Because we had the Real Sociedad uh, loss. Obviously. I was, I, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty worried. Well, I, the, I'll piggyback what Matt said when when they when they had their four shots, uh, Osasuna, and then they got that first goal. I'm like, uh oh, this is this is Real Sociedad all over again. And then of course, Isco scored the goal, and everything was like, all right. We're we're kind of we're kind of ironing our way out of this match. Yeah. So I had I had a similar reaction to you guys when I saw the opening few minutes because on the one hand I looked at this lineup I was like okay well this is good because you have all the you know the defensive stalwarts of of the of this defensive run all back who didn't play the Sociedad game Casemiro Mendy Carvajal um, Varane Courtois. All these guys so important defensively, and none of them were against were available against Real Sociedad. Um, I thought maybe some of the, the the mental kind of collapse and the defensive collapse from Real Sociedad lingered a little bit in the first opening frame, where Osasuna were taking advantage of the high line. That space between Carvajal and Baran um, was vulnerable to start, and then they have that goal, which uh, you know. I, I I just want to tip my hat because I actually thought the the goal from Unai Garcia was incredible because the f- first he has to beat Casemiro to it and that in itself was a feat just the will and the hunger the pace to get there to react quicker get there quicker but then he has to redirect it in a very a, a position that's very difficult to score from and he gets it so perfectly it was a beautiful goal after that that was basically it I mean they Real Madrid just kind of went into the gear that we know they're capable of they. Um, their defense, their defense zipped up. They shut down Osasuna completely, and uh, Osasuna really created nothing outside of that. Like they had that moment in the second half where Isco clearly gets fouled, and the referee doesn't call it, and they have a chance that just goes wide. And I assume if that goes in, the the VAR VAR would have ruled it out anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, it was overall it was a good performance. They went um they went into the gear they needed to go, and they put this game to bed and. El Sadar, like it was pretty tame, especially in the second half. Matt, you tweeted about Bale. Obviously, he's a huge talking point. 
um, your tweeting has become more, more, uh, more and more bold and hot takey of late, um, attracting <laughs> a lot of a lot of engagement. You mentioned that this was a perform- poor performance from Bale. Um, I'm obviously paraphrasing you. You worded it much differently than what I just said, but I thought that was clear. Um, so tell me what you thought about Bale before we get to the other stuff in this game, like the tactics and the player performances. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, I'm just I'm really at a at a point where I'm just so frustrated with Gareth Bale because. It, that that 45 minutes, especially that first half, I just thought literally nothing went right for him. Some of it was bad luck, but overall, I just, I didn't, it was such a poor performance. And I felt, I was thinking to myself, like, even those who, I know there are many people out there who support Gareth Bale to the death, and I have nothing against those fans or anything like that. I like Gareth Bale. And even, even though many probably think the opposite, I like Gareth Bale. Um and I just felt like if, let's say, anybody else was in, playing that role, like Brahim, Lucas Vasquez, uh, Rodrigo, anybody was playing the right wing today and played like that in the first 45 minutes, they begin, Zidane would be getting crucified saying, where's Bale? What's going on? What, he, he can't play because these guys are playing like this. And so that's, and I get frustrated because if he isn't, it looked like he wasn't fit to me. It looked like he's still maybe holding an injury. Uh, he just didn't – he looked like he didn't have his pace at all. And he's a player that his game is predicated off speed. Like, that's who he is. And similar to Kaka, like, that explosiveness. And if they – once they lost that explosiveness, then they're different players. And they – if you don't kind of redesign your game like Cristiano Ronaldo did, uh, then you, you're you not the player you were and you're not going to be the player you were. And so, for me, it was – a well below par Real Madrid player performance. And I, I just don't think there should be excuses for it anymore. He's the top paid player at the club. Like if you're on the bench and you want to be playing week in and week out, you got to, the chance, the first time you get an opportunity, you should be doing everything you can out on that pitch, dying, like putting your body on the line, whatever it is to make sure you're playing again that come next week. And so I felt like he held back. I felt like he was restrained. I felt like maybe he just, is still carrying an injury, whatever it was, mentally wasn't there. And I'm just, I'm getting really frustrated because we know what Gareth Bale's capable of. That's the frustrating thing. We know his potential and he's just not bringing it. Yeah. I'll second that. I'll, I'll definitely second that. It's, it's, it's disappointing because you know what he's capable of, you know, the, and, and I was thinking like in the beginning of the year, I was thinking, okay, well maybe he's nursing an injury or something like that. But, Throughout the year, we've seen the speed, we've seen the power, we've seen the shot power, and it's just not its not there. Like, he doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it consistently. And that's, uh, to me, that's like the burner. One of the quotes that got lost in that Jonathan Barnett interview that got circulated, and it was a very long interview with us, like, it's, I mean, you have to almost put an entire day to read the whole thing. Um one of the quotes that, um, when he was talking about Bale, a lot of the quotes that got circulated about the Bale thing was like, you know, there's no problems between him and Zidane. But what really stood out to me was when Barnett was talking about um, kind of Bale's menta- mentality going into 50-50 challenges and and how he tends to hesitate because of his recurring injury problems. And I thought all of that was completely apparent today. Um 
you just see like kind of his hesitancy and um I think it just here's here's the uh here's the quote just I don't want to go into circles without reading the quote um when asked if he, if if Barnett thinks Bale is afraid of his injuries and he says yes 100% um he's been through a lot he's had a lot of injuries and he's worried about them he can only train so much not 5 days a week it's got to be handled properly but he's fine he can play and uh, but the five days a week, uh, a week thing, Zidane answered in the press conference before the game and said that's not true. He can he can train as much as he wants and he he's physically able to. I mean, I, but what Barnett said is still telling to me. But I thought today you clearly saw like the bale of old that there was that Isco through ball that went to him, um, in the first half, and it was in the seventh minute. And the old bale would have just yeah. taken that ball and flown away with it and beaten his man and. He just kind of like he looks like he just doesn't want to get involved in that fifty-fifty tussle. Like, and and I think that affects his entire game because his entire game, apart from blitzing players and beating them for pace and shooting from distance, was like he is a box-to-box phenom, like a specimen, a physical specimen that is just like can dominate you physically. And when he loses that, it's, it's kind of worrying to me. And I thought, like, in a way, I felt bad for him because it's not like he wasn't trying to do the right things. He gets into a bunch of good positions. Like the one, the header where he couldn't keep down was a great cross from, from Carvajal, and he gets to it. His off-ball movement was very good. He tries to get to that shot that Isco eventually scores from. He's trying to do the right things. Um, I just think, like, in his head, he, something's happening and because he's worried physically about something happened to him, it's happening to him. And when you start playing like that, you're, you, I don't think you're, you're of service to what the team needs you because your team needs you to not be afraid of those challenges and once you are it's kind of it's a game changer yeah and if let's say he wasn't fully fit or let's say he was rushed back too quickly then shame on Zidane because he shouldn't have been back in the squad then and partly shame on Bale because he should know he knows his body better than anyone else and if he's not ready to play a game he shouldn't be out there and so you can't have I mean a Real Madrid player can't be afraid to go into 50-50 challenges he, if he if he can't train five days a week, whatever it is, when he can play, he's got to be raring to go. It's kind of similar to uh, – it makes me think of Ledley King back during his Tottenham days. He would he could only train like two days a week or something, but and he'd only play half the games. But when he played, he was incredible, and he was the captain, and he was just – he was a boss. And they England even wanted to call him up, but he just couldn't play that amount of games. And then – so if that's how – Gareth Bale's going to have to be treated, and when he does play, he's really got to bring it. He can play how he played today. Uh, and you want to hear another funny quote that got nobody talked about in that Barnett interview? Um, we're just reading through it. Um, they asked him if who's the, who's the best player he's ever seen play, and he said Pelé, and he was 17 at the time. He was able to watch him. And then they asked him, what about Di Stefano? And he said, I saw him on TV but not live. Or not that I can remember. He was a fantastic player. Him and Butrogueno, what a what a fantastic team. I remember watching them. <laughs> oh my god. Uh oh, wrong arrows, my friend. Oh no. Um okay, <laughs> so what about so Philip, what did you see in terms of positives? What did you think that stood out to you? Maybe we'll start with this first half. What what stood out to you? Um well the first the first half it was uh the resiliency. Like I, I, I felt like when when Isco scored that goal, I felt like they they got their they kind of got their oomph back, you know. The, um, and 
and then of course I I liked uh, I liked Sergio Ramos's goal, but not not so much because of Sergio Ramos. I liked Casemiro's header to Sergio Ramos. I thought that was a really impressive move. Um, and then I like after the Isco goal, I liked how Real Madrid controlled the game from there on out. It was like. They felt out of place, and it's like after that East Coast goal, it's like okay, let's control this game again, and they did. Matt, what about you? East Coast assessment? Was he a standout for you? Yeah, I thought um, East Coast by far was the game changer. I had him as my man of the match, and I thought along with East Coast, I thought Luka Modric was just um, showed glimpses of him of his best self, and I thought it was one of his best games of the season so far. Uh, I thought he was huge in uh, winning the ball back, helping the team get up the pitch quickly. Um, dri- with his, he had progressive runs. Like when he was dribbling, he was dribbling forward. He was going at the back line, um, and so I, I really liked what the two of them brought. And not, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but even Luka Modric on the third goal to Lucas Vasquez, that outside of the boot pass to Karim Benzema was just oh, that was a thing of beauty. Uh, I thought Isco. Um beyond like his his through balls created a couple chances in the game and then in the second half he continued to to kind of try to connect the dots a little bit eventually just ran out of gas and that's understandable um also helped with build up usually i find his movements dropping deep redundant but i thought today they really helped Real to progress the ball especially with osasuna's high press at times um on the on the on the Ramos goal, it was funny because Osasuna completely collapsed. Because when Casemiro wins the ball, the far post, he heads it across the face of goal. If Ramos isn't there, your alternative options to tap that in are two other behemoths. Varane wide open, Bale wide open. Um, either way, that was going to be a goal. Um, did you guys, like, what do you think Matt changed um, after those first few minutes and Osasuna's goal came in? Was there something visible you could pinpoint that, like, this is what they did differently? Or was it just a matter of them just kind of locking things locking things down and uh, and just getting the job done? Well, I think there's always – it's always just a, just about weathering the storm. There's always moments in games where um, – especially it's usually at the start of each – start or end of each half. Um, and in, in this particular match, it was Osasuna starting out really hot in the first 15 minutes. And you just have to weather that. And once you can, once the team kind of settles, calm, calms down, finds their rhythm, then you can play your game. Um, and you see that so often in football that there's just, especially these kind of high energy, high intensity teams like Osasuna playing at, at, in their home stadium. It's, you just have to manage those first 15 minutes, weather the storm, get through it, and then you can play your game. And I think that today was case in point. And, and the better team eventually came out and Real Madrid scored the goals they needed to to get this win. Also I just want to say one more thing about Isco. Like his like people complain about, you know, his his twists and turns or whatever. They label it as slowing the game down. But he's like he does that stuff deep and he's so press resistant that like you just can't you can't take that out of his game. Like that's just something that he does that helps the team get out of tight spots. It controls the game. Not every single touch and movement and look and everything everything has to be like this completely surgical vertical um action you know sometimes you just need to like slow down the tempo and i think and for what it's worth like he doesn't sacrifice his creativity generally speaking um shout out to both carvajal and mendy i think carvajal has been underrated for quite some time now i think he's had a good good season this year he's been good defensively even during his slump in the last couple years 
and Mendy, what a beast. Um, do you, what did you see from the fullbacks that you liked today, Philip? I think, uh, I, I think Mendy's starting to become one of the best fullbacks in the world. And I, I do that. Like you see, you see what he brings. Like, I mean, and he always had like, like, what he had before he got here is pretty much what you see, but you're also starting to see him um, become one with the team, start to distribute the ball better, uh, put people in better situations to succeed. And it, I I just don't see how Marcelo rightfully wins more minutes again. I, I, I don't see it. Matt? Yeah, I think I- – I think Mendy's locked this position down. I, I, he's continuing to grow and evolve with each passing game. I wrote in my player ratings that I called him Mr. Consistent because he's just bringing it every game now, and we know what we can get from him. And when it comes just in terms to 1v1 duels, any 1v1 defending, I mean, he, he's world-class. I mean, you you have little doubt that he's going to win that ball back. And so much comfort. And we haven't had that for a while in the left-back position. Um, and that's no disrespect to Marcelo. He he brings something very different to the game. But to have just that comfort and security, knowing that when somebody's going at Mende one v one, I mean, more often than not, he's going to be winning that winning that duel. And I I think there's still still more to come from him on the offensive side of the game. But even that, I mean, he's growing with each passing game. He's getting a lot more comfortable than he was at, at the beginning at the beginning of the season. So um, no, I'm I'm loving what we're seeing from Mende, and I think. He's been a really, he's proving to be a, a good signing, a really good signing. His uh, his crossing has improved too. Um, I think I know a cro- his crossing has been pinpointed as a weakness, and rightfully so. Just been way off the mark this season, early on especially. The last couple of games actually, he's been putting in some pinpoint crosses in. Um, there was this moment in the thirtieth minute where he goes into a fifty-fifty challenge with somebody on the, that Osasuna right wing, and. He basically just comes out of it with the ball, like unscathed, like with, as if like no one even put a dent in him. The other player just falls to the ground. He's like lost into like some kind of vortex. He's completely out of it, and Manny just bounces up, puts in like a perfect cross into the far post. Moments like that, like, and he also had this moment where he like he cuts in and does this incredible crossfield diagonal switch with his right foot, which is completely unexpected. Yeah. He looks really good. Um, Obviously, well, we always that, talk about his defense, but his offense has been far from being a black hole. It's been actually quite good the last couple of games. And that's the other uh, point I think we should make, Keon, that you just called out. And I think he and Varane do this so well. They both can just switch the ball to their weaker foot and put the ball, fling it like 70 yards on a dime. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's such an underrated skill and it gets you out of really tight difficult situations when the opposition is pressing you if you can just put it on your opposite foot and ping a ball to the to the other flank perfectly i mean that that is such a such a good skill to have and so we have that in two two of our defenders in the back line um what else did you guys want to talk about standouts things that moments that stood out for you or players luka jovic finally got his second goal yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's the that's the that's the main one right there. I was thrilled. I, I'm like, I looked at him. I'm like, oh, is he ever gonna get that? Is he ever gonna get a goal again? And finally got one. No, grant you, it, it was in what garbage time, but like it was it was still so good goal. Yeah, it was a great. It finish. was a pretty goal. 
you know, great finish, like, you know, and maybe, and sometimes, sometimes as a player, you need that goal yep. to maybe, you know, get your confidence up, maybe get you, you know, maybe turn things around. Yeah. Sometimes all you yeah. need to get going is that garbage goal. Uh, it was, sorry, yeah. garbage game goal, it, garbage time goal. It was, <laughs> definitely was not a garbage goal. It was a tremendous finish. But by garbage time, we basically mean that classic basketball turn where the game's over, the B team is in, and nothing really gets measured. But um, that's what he needed, I think. And he, he took it really well. Yeah, and I, I, maybe I'm wrong in reading in this situation, but it looked like Benzema was kind of pissed when he came off. Um, and I was like, come on, let Jovic get four minutes. It's not like it, you played pretty much the whole match. And if Jovic can get something out of this, then great. And he did. So, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's why he, he deserves to get those minutes because you never know what could happen. And yeah. now this goal could be huge for his confidence. And so moving forward, we could have Luka Jovic now banging them in. Hopefully, that's what we all hope for. And this this could be huge for him. And Fede Valverde, who has had a generally a quiet game, um, had some couple of bad passes. Maybe his coverage wasn't as good. Casemiro had to come on his side a couple times to to help with the left flank when Fetty wasn't tracking. Um, the la- he really came alive towards the end. Um, started to win the ball high up the pitch. Makes that great pass and move sequence and run to assist Jovic, and that pass to Jovic was great. Um, everyone kind of came good in this game. Ultimately, like they, everyone just rounded into it, and we were all worried about what would happen after that Real Sociedad game, how much that would linger. I think the obvious um, reaction would have been probably wouldn't have lingered because the team was completely different, but um, this was this was really good. Um, the subs, Jovic, Vinicius, Lucas Vasquez obviously scored the uh, um, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the third goal. Yeah, the third goal. Um, great run by him. Great holdout play by Benzema to kind of just make sure he releases at the right time to to get uh, Vasquez open. Matt, I know you did the player ratings on Managing Madrid too. Anything else that you wanted to, to note in terms of like players who maybe underperformed, overperformed to your expectations? Um, well, just going back to Fede, I think to your point, it was probably overall a more quiet game than we're used to. But I think the thing we all love about Fede is the fact that it's the 94th minute. Real Madrid's already up 3-1. And he's making that run to the opposition's box, going all out, and then flicks, does an outside of the boot flick to Jovic to get an assist and score that fourth goal. And kind of that that characterizes Fede right there. Like, he never gives up, and that's why we love him. He plays every minute like it's still 0-0. Um, and even though it wasn't his greatest game, he still he showed off that quality. And I thought, um, I just, again... The defense was so good. We didn't really talk about Varane, but I thought he was really good. Him and Ramos, once mm-hmm. once they weathered that storm, locked it down. Um, and then, yeah, Lucas Vasquez. I mean, I, I, again, I don't I don't mean to be just hating on Bale on this podcast, but I thought he was just. You noticed an upgrade when he came in. He didn't. He put obviously always puts in that defensive work. Uh, he got the goal. He he was just he was a nuisance for Osasuna. I thought he I thought he looked good. Um. Anything else, Philip? You wanna you wanna touch on? Well, I I thought I thought Bale did better on the defensive part than most games. Like I thought this time, I I saw him play back a little bit, but it's like I don't know. Do, I don't know how to read Bale. I uh, I've lost. I, well, I can't even try anymore. Um, Venetius, I, I I wasn't 
very hot on him today either. Like he, he's, it feels like, you know, he, he's, he's reverted back to some of the old Venetius way. Like he, I see him, I see him dribbling until he gets up to the box and then he just loses the ball wildly. Like, I'm, I'm like, what are you doing? Like find pass the gut, pass the ball, you know, try to get, you know, if you can't do it, I get it. Get the ball to somebody who can. Yeah, I was actually surprised uh, Vinicius after his, his good performance in, during the midweek, this lone good performer really didn't get the start today. But as we know with Zidane, he doesn't, it's never totally completely on merit. We never really know what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, I thought his substitution appearance was kind of quiet. Uh, the only thing I can really remember was just when he cut in that one time and tried to get a shot off, but it ultimately deflected off a defender. Aside from that, I didn't, I didn't think he really got, he wasn't involved very much. Well, how many minutes did he get? He only had like nine minutes plus some stoppage time. So, um, Oh wow. He came on that late. Yeah. So he came on earlier than that. Yeah. Um, I am just trying to see if I have anything else I want to talk about. We talked about pretty much everything I think was important. Um, like I said, I think this was, it wasn't the most exciting game, which is I think a good thing when you go to El Sadar and, um, you just want to get the three points, which they did, and it was pretty convincing in the end. Um, bar bar a slight, slight kind of like phase of warring sequences to start the game, they they got it done. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Courtois had a pretty good game mm-hmm. too. I, I felt like like he had a pretty he had a couple of good stops in the first half. He really wasn't uh, like he wasn't really needed in the second half, but like the one goal you. you I don't think anybody was stopping it. It was a gr- it was a pretty good goal uh, by Osasuna. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I thought Courtois had a pretty good game. Well, I um, I believe it was like around the f- uh, fourth minute, um, the one where they ca- that the high line got caught, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was. I think it was I want to say Jose Arnaiz, but I'm not entirely sure who cut in and then uh, he gets a shot off and Courtois saves. It kind of just puts his fist up and blocks the shot. That was huge because it was a it was a yeah. it was a big moment. Um, I'm gonna say we move on to to a patron question here um, okay. that came in from Varun. He says, oh, by the way, Patreon.com/slash/ManagingMadrid. You're missing a ton of bonus content right now. If you if you don't have access, we have the loan tracker every Tuesday. Um, we have every Thursday, we have a mailbag with myself and Lucas. We have every midweek post game show, whether it's Champions League or midweek La Liga games and, and no longer the, the, the Copa del Rey rest in peace, but, um, we do everything else midweek for our patrons only. And the only free show we're doing is this one, um, on the weekend. So if you want to access Castilla corner as well, Castilla corner also is a, is a weekly segment with Sam Sharp, Ruben Skierping, I believe is how you say his last name. Um, and Christopher McCormick, uh, he'll for, Ruben will forgive me for not knowing exactly how to, to say his last name. He, he understands. Um, so a lot of content plus bonus shows. That's like the bare minimum you get. You get a lot of bonus content on top of that, um, which, uh, we, which we didn't mention. So make sure you get access patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And that big game against Manchester city is coming up. That's for patrons. So make sure you get access before that. So you're not scrambling at the end, trying to, trying to pledge and get access to it. All right, our patron Varun says, what is the best half played by Real Madrid this season and what's the worst half? 
Um, I mean, not the entire match, just 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 one half. For me, the best was against Abar in the first half where we scored three. Um, Hazard, Benzema, Valverde, Magic. And the worst was the second half against Mallorca. Please tell me your choices, experts. <laughs> let's start with you, Matt. Your, your, let's start with your best. Um, that Ibar half is a good shout, but I think maybe for me, just because of uh, the opposition and just the importance of the match, I think um, PSG, I think it was the mm-hmm. first half against PSG. I yeah. think that was just incredible. Like I'm so excited to see the team play that well. That was when you finally felt, okay, they're starting to click a gear. Hazard's looking incredible. He's finally finding his feet. Uh, Isco was playing. I mean, it all it all looked like it was coming into coming into gear. Um, and so that that probably for me was the best half. And then the worst, uh, I think. Yeah, I probably have to agree with that. Mallorca, maybe even the P- the other PSG game, the first half of the other PSG game. Um, so interesting that that would be my two choices, both PSG games. Matt, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. uh, Philip. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you with the eye bar game. That was like the only game that was that that was the only game where I was like, okay, we're winning everything, right? Because it was such a great half. Three goals. the The ball was flowed so well. I'm like, all right, yeah, we're winning everything. Of course, you know, that's yet to be determined. And then the set, and then the second half. Um, um, I guess, I guess the. Uh, I, I guess the uh, the the PSG game. I think the P the the PSG game, uh, uh, but I I don't know. In don't terms know. of, of in terms of, the, of best or worst, the PSG one. Uh, the oh the the worst yeah the worst well the worst first half was um well yeah the Copa del Rey that was terrible okay. that was terrible uh, they, they yeah they job. they didn't do. Yeah, they didn't do much of anything. And then by the time they did, it was like way too late. Real Sociedad first half is a good shout. Um, I think I think Mallorca is just in terms... I mean, PSG in terms of the opposition was, was bad. Um, mm-hmm. Mallorca was a disaster because everything was wrong. Isco playing as a defensive midfielder. Um, yeah. The yeah. defense just being really vulnerable in transition and uh, nothing really happening offensively. Uh, other than James and Benzema trying to create danger, but nothing improved in the second half, and in fact, probably got worse because Odriozola got sent off, and it just became more and more difficult. That was a that was a bad one, and the PSG away from home was really bad too. That Matt mentioned. Um, and in terms of best, while well, Abar is a good show, and Abar is also really impressive because that's a really difficult place to play since they've been in Primera. Mm-hmm. Um, PSG first half was still to me in terms of factoring in the opposition getting a glimpse of the ceiling of the team, of what it can do with everyone available, with Hazard there, Hazard clicking, um, was really encouraging to me in the first half. Then the changes in the second half and, and Hazard's injury, and there was a little bit of collapse, obviously. But that first half against PSG was still, to me, the best. Um, I think this is where we wrap it up. Um, so, Philip, Matt, thank you for joining the show. Um, and again, if you like this content, you want access to more stuff, including a lot of upcoming big shows, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. 
We got a lot of post-game content on the site right now. Make sure to check it all out. And until next time, Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid. Before we wrap it up and we let you go, we just wanted to give a shout-out to all our $10 plus patrons who get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So shout-out to Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Bellaccio, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Oluwapamimo Oladonjoy, Christian Toft, Charles Williams, Tark Sphere, Kunal Telekar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raha Poguri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujaiwani, Peña Maridista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fegundo, Zoran Bosnicic, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Sumanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Umair Mahadi, Rovi Tahiev, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Varun, Bernard Kufur, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Faisal Hamdan, Alex Perez, Muxi Thangal, Sergio Arispe, Graham Gerard, Basil Adil, Kevin Rivera, uh, Michael Kruchon, Zaf. Zafar Chauduri, Keith Lizenby, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, Fabian Moreno, Daniel Smith, Philip Hammer. Nice to hear some new names there. Thanks so much for the support, guys. Tongue-tied. There's so many names. Appreciate uh, your support greatly. And until next time, Alamadi. <laughs>